0: Hi, I'm Aaron, and welcome to the Slim, Fitty, and Biggie Committee podcast, where me and my best friends, Danny and Matt, take a deep dive into hip-hop, the genre that has formed an integral part of our lives. Please like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram at the underscore slim, biggie committee, and stay tuned for any upcoming podcast news. Coming up on today's show, I caught up with Triz, a veteran of hip-hop, who has been rapping since he turned nine. And he is a true LA hip-hop artist. He has had a unique journey in his career, including touring with Tech 9 the kind of and horrorcore specialist, Brother Lynch Hub. We spoke about his influences and his views on LA music, gang culture, and what continues to inspire his creativity. But before I say too much, let's get into it. All right. Welcome to the Slim, Fitty and Biggie Committee podcast. We've got my man, Triz. He was good enough to, to give us some time. So um, it's real real pleasure for me to speak to you. Obviously, CJ put me in touch with yourself. So um, bang up guy. I'm a big fan. So you've been in the, in the game for a long time. I'm always interested for people with long careers. How did you just get into hip hop? What age were you when you started thinking that this could be something you were interested in?
1: Um, I got into hip-hop when I was about seven, no, wait, I was nine years old. It was 2001, and uh, I was really heavy into, like, cash, money, no limit. Master P, The Last Down, was the first album I ever bought. West Side Connection, Bow Down, was the first album I ever learned, and that was in 1996. I was four years old. So I kind of got into hip hop early. Like my dad is like a super music connoisseur. So it was just like, I was always involved. I was always around it. I was always into it. You know what I mean? So in 1994 or 1996 is when I started to uh, understand hip hop as far as a listener goes. I was like, oh, this is jamming. You know what I mean? And I was only four years old, but I picked up my first pen when I was seven in 1990. No, wait when i was nine in 2001 there you go
0: so why do you think you were exposed to hip-hop so young like you know especially west side connection bowed down that's like a gangster album that's like you know there's no child friendly stuff there so had why do you think you were exposed to that level of hip-hop so early
1: uh be, again because of my dad like he just he was a music connoisseur so like he was always, like, bumping funk music and bumping oldies and anything you could think of, my dad was bumping it. R&B. Uh, like, I was just like heavily into music, you know, early. That's all my dad did. Like, while he was playing dominoes, while it was uh, a barbecue going on, like, my dad was bumping music. And he had this den when we were living in Long Beach, California. He had, like, this place where in the house where he always listened to music and I kind of just fell in love with it from there, bro. Like my, mainly it's because of my dad and my mom, like they were just always listening to oldies. And then when hip hop really hit the scene, my dad was always bumping, you know, like I said, Westside connection, NWA, and a bunch of other stuff, even fresh Prince. Like he was bumping Will Smith shit. Like I was just always heavily in the music.
0: And so what do you think it is that drew you in first? Was it, like, the lyrics? Was it the sound? What do you think captivated you?
1: Um, I would say it was the rhythm because, like, it ain't going to be the lyrics that early on as a kid. That, it, wasn't, it wasn't the lyrics. It was the sound. Like, I didn't really start to understand the lyrics until I got, you know, like, in my teenage years, you know what I mean? To where I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about but uh yeah like it was really the rhythm the sound the beat the bass like the things that made me like things that made things jump within me you know what i'm saying like that is what really got me into it you know what i mean
0: did you predominantly listen to west coast or did you get abused
1: yeah i was listening to west coast music because i'm from the west coast i'm from the, I'm from the West. I'm from LA and I'm from the Inland Empire. Like, my dad grew up in South Central. My mama grew up in Compton and, then like, they brought me up in Long Beach, Compton, and Norwalk. So, like, and that's, like, that's, uh, that those are cities within LA County. And then we moved over to the Inland Empire. So, like, I was always around West Coast music. You know what I mean? Like, the Parliament, Funkadelics, the Ohio players. Like, even, my mom was even bumping Anita Baker heavy, Aretha Franklin. Like, All of the oldies, you know what I mean? All of the music that like bump and like people that like made music, you know, monumental today. My mom and shit, and my dad was bumping that on the way to school. That's all I bumped, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, it's really heavily West Coast influence because I'm from the West Coast. Like, that's what we are brought up on. We're brought up on the parliament. We brought up on like uh George Clinton and fucking uh Bootsy Collins and I mean the list goes on we're we're brought up on that you know Al Green it's just we're we're brought up on west coast ass music and like that transition into the hip-hop shit you know what I'm saying so
0: what do you think it was about west coast hip-hop because there was obviously the big feud between west and east coast you know New York claiming the rights of you know hip-hop was established there first and then west coast coming in with the signature sound you've got the G-Funk obviously, coming through. So what do you think it was about, you know, West Coast specifically that kind of captured a lot of people's attention?
1: Well, with us, we had the bounce. You know what I mean? East Coast never had the bounce. They had the lyrics. They had the flow. But they never had the bounce. They ain't never heard the chronic. They ain't never heard Doggy Style before. They ain't never heard us, like, riding down the street in the sixth floor with a Jerry Carroll and a Raider jacket. That just wasn't the East Coast. The East Coast looked at us like goofies. You know what I'm saying? They looked at the West Coast like, what is that? Like, what is a Jerry curl? What are khakis? What are Chuck Taylors? Like, they just didn't understand it. And we had rhythm to our shit. We had like that, like, damn, like, fuck the lyrics. We was the like, we was the first uh coast to say, like a lot of it, a lot of people say it's the Atlanta culture. That say fuck lyrics, but on top of lyrics. We were like, fuck that too. We want that shit to be bumping. We want that shit to be riding. Snoop Dogg, come on, man! Like he got a gang of like gin and juice and like you know what I mean. None but a G thing. You know what I mean? Corrupt. Got we can freak it. Like we have songs that are like riding or even uh Montel Jordan with uh what's that shit? I uh, I forgot, but it's a uh, it's a Friday night. It's you know what I mean. Those those are like. Songs that we like can bounce to New York didn't have that, bro. Like, we we brought that, we started it. And
0: so, for you, because you obviously grew up on listening to West Coast, when you got to a point where you were looking at writing, so when you were nine, how did you go, all right, now I want to try and write something down?
1: Uh, like I said, uh, I got really introduced to like wanting to rap. When I start becoming a fan of No Limit, that's what's crazy. Like the Southern artists, Master P, Silk, The Shaka, Lil Wayne, Juvenile, like they got me to want to rap. I was a big fan of No Limit. My dad bought me a No Limit chain and everything. Like he, uh, he, my first album I ever got was like I said, Master P, The Last Don. They made me want to rap because I was like damn, they make it look effortless. And I wanted to be that. So, like, my sister had a boyfriend who was already, already like, trying to write rhymes and rap and shit, and he showed me how to write. He showed me how to, like, put bars and shit together. My dad showed me how to count bars, but he showed me how to, like, write the shit down on paper, like, to make shit rhyme. And what made me want to get into it was the shit that I was inspired by. like, Like I said, Master P., Lil Wayne, Juvenile, like 1999 to 2001 was a crazy year for Louisiana. A lot of people don't know. That was a crazy, those were crazy years for like Southern hip hop. You know, back that ass up. You know what I mean? All those songs. And uh, I got really into it. Even the East Coast music with like the Rough Riders. That was a big group that I was into. Juvenile was in that. Fucking, uh. You know, Drag On, DMX, you know what I mean? I started just getting into hip-hop in 2001. That's why I'd be like, yo, when I was nine years old is when I really, really got it cracking, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah, that's what made me really want to write shit down to answer your question. What made me want to write shit down was like, okay, I want to actually be this. When I started seeing them wearing them big-ass chains and they coming out with their group and their team, I just wanted to be a part of it.
0: I always find it interesting because the the group part of hip-hop is real big because people, there's just something about a hip-hop crew coming in and just tearing up a beat. You get everyone doing the best. You, you only got to come up with one verse and you just leave your best out there. For you, what yeah. kind of attracts you to, to, you know, the West Side Connection, that kind of vibe about groups?
1: I uh- I like the authenticity. Like with Westside Connection, they were just like really, uh, you know, sucked into their roots. The West Coast, the palm trees, the lowriders, the girls, the chronic, the the 40 ounces. Like they were just like a staple of that, just like NWA was, you know, and that's Ice Cube's group as well. So it's just like I just like the authenticity of it because I grew up around that. I've seen that. I seen my family playing dominoes. I seen my family drinking 40s. I seen my family smoking weed. Like, it was just something to relate to. You know what I mean? Like, that's part of our culture. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not nothing out of the ordinary. So, to see them blow up and do it and like promote it and promote gangster rap, like, cause that's what it is, is gangster rap. And I've been around Crips and Bloods. You know what I mean? I, my family all gangbang. So, like, all that tied into one. Made music, which is West Coast gangster rap. I, I got sucked into it because it was just like I'm already around it. And to hear a rhythm to it, to hear a beat to it, is lovely. You know what I'm saying? Just like with the oldies, like I said, George Clinton, Funkadelics, The Parliament, The Ohio Players. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, Zapp and Roger. That's all bounce. That's all funk. If you notice, if you listen to a lot of Snoop Dogg's earlier shit, all it's a lot. A lot of it is taken from those artists you know what I'm saying? From that 70s funk. So like, I just really got into it because that's where I'm from.
0: And so how do you view that part of, you know, West Coast? Because it is very heavy, you know, gangster, very heavy blood, crip influenced. How do you view that influence? Because I think a lot of people don't really understand because they didn't grow up in that environment. So for someone who grew up with, with that type of environment where you've interacted with Bloods and Crips and different gang members. How do you view that influence on the hip hop?
1: Um, I mean, like it could be good. It could be bad. Like I don't gang bang myself, but like I said, my family and my friends, there a lot of them are involved in uh, gangs and, um, growing up in Southern California, like you kind of have to encounter that, you know, no matter what race you are, but mainly black and um, Mexican, you know what I mean? Like, so, uh, it has a huge effect on the music because, like I said, we're a product of our environment, We like where we grew up. You know what I mean? I've been banged on, which banged on in California means if somebody asks you where you from. You know what I mean? I don't gang bang, so I grew up saying, yo, I don't gang bang. You know what I mean? I'm just a, a nigga that rap, you know what I mean? Trying to get it. Nine times out of ten, I've never been like, uh, nobody ever really put a gun on me, maybe like twice. Too, yeah, I have, I've had a gun put on me twice. But it always resulted, it was always like, oh, yeah, okay, he ain't on that. You know what I mean? But I've, I've encountered so many situations where, like, you know, uh, gang banging has come up, you know, people telling you where they from, you know, whether they were Blood or Crip. And, like, as far as the music goes, it has a big influence on it. Like, Nipsey. Nipsey is a Crip, you know what I'm saying? But he turned it into a way to where it's like, you know, I'm talking about how I'm a product of my environment. I'm trying to change it. He actually game bangs. I don't. But I'm just saying, speaking from his perspective, he grew up around it. Again, he grew up around it. He's sharing, you with you. He's sharing with you his experiences. You know what I mean? It ain't fabricated. It's real. You know what I'm saying? So, like, coming from somebody who actually grew up around it, it means something totally different than to the average fan because I'm around it and I understand it. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting to, to me to understand your perspective on it because, obviously, there's a lot of – sadness and a lot of violence that, that comes across with that side of it because there's a lot of animosity yeah. but you know when you say I've only had a gun pulled on me twice for most fans mm. that never happens in their life so for for you yeah. how do you think that that kind of event influences people in your community and how how does it influence the music as a result
1: Uh, really it influences the community bad because it's like you create that uh, animosity towards people to where it's like, oh, I got to carry a gun or I have to, because like I grew up mainly in the suburbs, but I was in the city a, a large amount of my life. So I've seen both sides of it. You know what I mean? Even when I came to the suburbs, there's game bangers here. It's California. So like, yeah, like you, to answer your question, you know what I mean? It affects the community like in a tremendous way. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you, ha- you create, exactly what you're trying to avoid like you when you when when a person is trying to assert their dominance like yo i'm from such and such and i'm carrying you're going to create something that you don't even expect them to create these people some of these people it has been times where i've been at school and i was about to get jumped or i was about to fight somebody and they got and they went and called their people and i called my people and now we have a big situation at the school it's like you create these problems amongst the uh the community because it's like some people may not even be on that type of time, but when you try to bring that energy, that's what's gonna show up. So same thing with the music. When I get into this music shit, I get people that ask me all the time, "Do I game bang?" But I don't. But it's just like they know where I come from. They know I'm from California. They know I associate myself with a lot of people who are in gangs. You know what I mean? In certain ways, you gotta maneuver through the game because uh, of how we came up. You know what I mean? But again. I'm not no sister, I'm not a super gangster, crypt ass, blood, any, I'm not any of that. But I grew up around it, I know how to handle it. I've been in the fights before, I've been through the ringer, I know how to do it. So it's like, you know, and it, it influences the, the community and the music game in a in a major way. And it's up to you as individuals to figure out how you want to navigate through it.
0: Well, the the interesting thing is that I'm sure that everyone would want to take the violence away from the community. But at the same time, the influence that it has and profound influence that it had over hip hop and the ability of people to express themselves is unparalleled. You look at the impact of groups like NWA, you look at the impact of groups that actually spoke about their environment. And you wonder if that violence didn't exist, would those groups exist? Exactly. that. You know what?
1: And I, I'm glad you said that because sometimes people don't understand like uh, a, a, a bad cause could be a greater, could be the effect or it could be the cause of a greater good. So like sometimes we may not understand why something may, well, something has happened why our communities are being savage and ransacked and overrun by gangs or the police or anything. It could just, it could be a cause for a greater good. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, sometimes it, that shit is like uh, is happening to teach. For example, like NWA, like, if, that's, if that wasn't happening or, you know what I mean, or, uh, or they wasn't able to experience it, then how are they able to teach the next generation? You know what I mean?
0: Because it's
1: happening regardless. We're human. We're, you know what I mean? We're going to experience emotions where, you know, we act out, lash out and create situations that become, you know, uh, detrimental to our environment. But for the most part, uh, you know, artists that are able to express themselves and go through, you know, a turmoil and whatever have you, they're able to express it, and then they're able to change it and turn it around for the next generation. Because LA and the IE is not half as bad as it used to be when it was the 90s. It's 2020. The crime rate has dropped tremendously. Well, San Bernardino, which is the inland empire, that that's the lost cause. Like that right now, that it's really bad. It's like Chicago. And I'm from San Bernardino County. I'm not from San Bernardino, but I'm from San Bernardino County. I'm from Fontana, and uh, that's uh, 10 minutes from my house they have the number one crime rate in California in the U S they're like, no, they're top five. So it's like, you know what I mean? I, I, I feel like that, but it's always for a greater good. And when we find out, we find out. I, I think a lot of that has to do with this upcoming election too. It's just like, you never know why things are going to shit, but I mean, ultimately, you know, by the grace of God is for a better good, bro. So
0: yeah, I think that a lot of hip hop is misunderstood because what people interpret is purely the art, but they don't see the context of where that art comes from. And to understand the music, you need to understand the journey the artist has been through and the environment that they come up in. It's like, you know, you watch one scene of a movie and you don't like it. And then you don't have the context in the background. So you need to have that, background to really understand the influence of those groups and the influence of artists that talk about gangster life, that talk about, you know, creeping and blooding and and doing all that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially coming from somebody that, that doesn't actually involve himself, me. I don't involve myself in gangs. Like I, I know a bunch of gang members and I hang around a couple of them and but they know where i stand they will never put me in a position to jeopardize what i have gone cuz going cuz i'm i'm some i'm somebody who is like oh he 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 can do it he's a nigga that can me- rise above the statistic of being a young black male in america you know what i mean so my homies is looking at me like no nah, we ain't going to fuck his life up you know
0: i mean that's that's great because people like you show that to other young people, that it's possible and that there is not just yeah. one way, i.e. the hood way, there are opportunities and there are not as many as we see in other cities and with other communities, but that is yeah. slowly changing and hopefully it changes quickly. I think we can all agree that the the problem is when it's generation after generation who get used to gang culture it's hard to get out of but hopefully there's a slow for shift sure. moving towards you know promoting continued education promoting new ideas promoting new ways for um people to succeed rather than just feel like they're stuck in the same lifestyle that their parents were stuck in
1: yeah because you don't you don't want people to give up hope you don't want it to look like oh our uh, all our hard work is going to waste like you want it to be like, you know, these kids and, they and, you know, these these uh, disadvantaged youths, they they should have something to look up to. You know what I mean? Like they hear us talk crazy on records and they hear us talk crazy on, uh, on on these on these interviews and these, you know, these these publications. But at the same time, like if they don't look at us like I could do that and that could be positive and I could I could rise above the turmoil and the bullshit, then it's, it's a waste. You know, what I mean, if they can't look at us like not even heroes, just just somebody who can like look past the bullshit like it could be a way better way than this. Like I'll be looking at like videos and um, documentaries on uh Chicago because I'm not from there. And I, I think that their situation is crazy as hell. And I'll be thinking like, man, like a lot of these kids down there, they so talented but they use their fucking talent as an aggression against their enemies and it just it, it creates this cycle. But if they were to use their talent, you can still talk about gangster shit. You can still talk about gang... But you don't have to diss these motherfuckers that you don't get along with because then it's just going to turn into turmoil. It's going to turn into bullshit. And then the crowd and the fans and the community look at that like, oh yeah, this rap shit is not going to work because... They're using it as a weapon. If you use your creativity, creativity as a weapon, they're not gonna, they're not gonna accept this. You know what I mean? White America is not going to accept us if we use it as a weapon. But if we use it as a means to say, "Look, I'm talented," and I'm talking about where I come from, they'll accept it. We've seen it with Jay Z, we've seen it with Nas, we've seen it with Master P, Snoop Dogg. Like it could work. You know?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a challenge that people are just trying to do what they think is good but I've always wondered there's something about gangster hip-hop that is so appealing what do you think it is that about like that type of lyricism that braggadocious I'm better than you I can murder you all that type of lyricism what do you think it is that gets fans into it
1: uh the nonchalant I don't give a fuck see a lot of hip-hop fans experience depression. They experience the same type of of shit that we experience. Even if it's not just your average Joe Schmo that's going up and down the street, going to work at his job, whose boss is getting on his nerves, if he can hear somebody on a song, you know, to a rhythm that he fucks with, say, fuck you and fuck off, and I will fucking murder you, your whole family, and I'll cut off your face. Like, if they can hear that and they like it, it's like they can apply it to their own life. It don't have to necessarily be, oh, I was in the trap and I'm riding down Compton Boulevard. They can just be like, yo, I can apply this to my own life. Like, yeah, fuck everybody. Like, it gives them that, you know, that that sense of I don't give a fuck. It, it's, uh, it's this numbness uh, of, uh, it's like, uh, it lets off these endorphins in your body to like make you feel good. You know what I mean? Like when you hear these songs, and you know it's something bad, just think about it. When you was a kid, and you did something bad, and you knew it was bad, but it felt good, but it was just like, fuck it, I'm gonna get in trouble for it anyway, but it, it felt good. That's kind of like the same thing. It's like, you could just listen to it, and it's like, oh, this is bad. Like, they cussing, they, they're saying whatever they want, they're just releasing this anxiety that they have over music, and if you can relate to that, then it's just like, nigga, it's gonna make you act out, and some people don't know how to handle it, so they act on it. Some people that Say, oh, this song influenced me to kill my family and shit. I've heard that a massive amount of times, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's just it just makes people feel good.
0: What's your interpretation of that? Because I definitely have my own view on art versus people doing things, but what do you think about people who say, you know, quote unquote, this song made me or inspired me to commit this act? I
1: feel like the artist is never responsible because if if uh if we should be held uh, accountable for somebody listening to our art, what about all the people who watch all them horror movies who go out and act out what they see on television and movies and shit and crime and mafia movies? Like, you know what I mean? Like uh, my, 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 um, my, one of my mentors, brother in tongue, you know, a lot of people know who that is. Like he's a, he's a big, you know, horrorcore rap artist out in uh, Sacramento. It was this guy who went and uh, he committed a crime and he blamed it on, Lynch, he blamed it on the artist. He was like, Yo, uh, I was listening to this song when I, uh, when I did, you know, what I did. And it was just like, Yeah, they can, they can say that all they want, but that's his experience. He he didn't tell you to go out and do that shit. And neither did Wes Craven, and neither did Steven Spielberg, and fucking the mass amount of other, you know, uh, uh, video or movie directors that, you know, put violence in their films like that. That's art. You have to be able to separate the art from the artist and the uh the art from the fan. Like, no, nah, that, that's that own person's fault because I've listened to mad violent music and watched mad violent movies and I ain't never went out and killed nobody because of it. So, no, nah, I, I, I feel like my view on that, it just stands as separate the artist from the art and separate the art from the fan. And that, that's where it's going to be at.
0: I tend to have a very similar perspective on you. I think that part of the challenge is that you may not agree with what he said, but it is purely art. It's not... It's entertainment. So when you go watch a horror movie or you go watch a movie about gangsters who who murder people and you don't have the same, you know, feedback as going, oh, this is bad because it influences people to murder or commit those crimes, then it, it doesn't really stack up. But I think the... I mean, you look at movies and the amount they show you know, violence against women and that kind of thing that's not really spoken about that much. But in hip-hop, and I'm not advocating for these types of lyrics, but hip-hop also explores that side of it. But there's a difference between talking about it and doing it. And there is no excuse for doing it. I have never, I can't see a point where anyone would turn around and go, just because something was said, you went and did it you made your own decision. You went out and did it, and it, and you can be against violence against women in hip hop. That's definitely something that um, is tough to listen to. Um, it's not easy, but there's a big difference between talking about it and committing it. I think you look at people like Eminem as the perfect example, and there are a lot of people who don't like that music, and that's fair enough. But he talks about it and you can't blame him for your own actions. So there's, there's this challenging aspect of saying, and if you think that it's going to influence you, you need to stop listening to the music. It's as simple as that. If you think exactly. that you're susceptible to committing those crimes, or you need to stop watching those movies. You need to stop listening to the music. You need to understand as, an, as a human what your boundaries are.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like if you can't control yourself uh, by listening or viewing art, then you probably shouldn't be watching that shit. Because I'm sure you, yourself, has wa- have watched movies or listened to music that was violent, but you didn't go out and fucking act on it.
0: Some of my favorite hip-hop you know? is violent gangster shit hip-hop. Like, I like to listen to things that I would never do in my life. Like, things that I know that I would never get close to, things that are purely entertainment. Violent movies, same thing. Like, if I look at John Wick, that is the most one of the most violent movies ever. I love that shit. But I know that I'm not going to go out and kill a lot of people. I'm not going to commit those crimes. I have that understanding.
1: Perfect example, bro. I mean, we, we got tons of movies that we love, tons of violent movies that we love. We know but I like, I love all of Quentin Tarantino's movies. Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, Jackie Brown, The Hateful Eight, you know what I mean? I love all those violent movies. I'm not about to go out and just blow somebody's fucking head off. Yeah. Like I'm just Right, like, yeah, so no. Nah.
0: Well, I think that, you know, regardless of where you sit on the fence, I think it's important to understand that this is an art form. People are not saying go do it. It's an art form. Right. And so going back to your career, so we kind of went on a long tangent into into the background, but I think it was useful to understand, you know, your perspective. But you're nine years old, you're writing. How do you get to a point where you're like, I think that I can actually make a career of this?
1: Uh, when I turned 14 and just got into high school, um, I started putting out my own, like, actual albums and mixtapes and passing them around school. And uh, from there, it just turned into, like, You know, I I know that I could do this as far as like trying to show the world. Like rather than just writing in my bedroom, I start putting stuff out and uh, went to Walmart and bought a microphone and recorded and put it on disc and start passing it around. Some people was throwing my shit in the trash because I found it later. I remember like I was getting trashed when I first started rapping, but I kept it going, and I would invite friends over who I who I thought was in the music, and they would come over and rap in my house. And you know, I just start doing everything in house, and it just all went straight from there.
0: What kept you going after you know a lot of people once they get negative feedback, they quit, they give up, they turn around, and they go, you know what, I can't hack this. I don't want to hear the truth, but I don't want to hear negative. I don't want to hear critiques. How did you mm. keep yourself motivated and what kept you going to be like, Now nah, you know what? Despite what everyone is saying, I know I'm going to make this work.
1: Because I knew uh, I kind of was already feeling like the hate and the doubt is temporary. Like as long as you ain't in my face and you ain't disrespecting me, I don't care. Like, because Like, I'm going to still keep pushing. If I give you a CD and later on I see you talking about it bad with your friends, I'm going to just keep minding my business. What I'm going to do, go over there and walk up to them and be like, don't be talking about me. Like, I had people laughing at me in the locker room one time. I remember uh, this one dude was, like, mocking what he had heard on the CD. And he was, like, pointing and laughing. But I was thinking in my head, like, damn, nigga, you listen to it. I was like, "You're mocking something, and you're trying to point and laugh at me." It was only two guys, but I just remember that I was in ninth grade, and they were pointing and laughing at me, like, like, uh, like repeating what I had said on one of the songs. And I was like, "That's kind of corny, nigga." Like, you fucking listen to my shit, and then you made fun of me. And then, like, almost like ten years later, like eighteen years later, the same guy. He, he is like a really big fan of mine right now. He's an adult now because this was in ninth grade. So this was like this was 14 years ago, almost 15 years ago. He's a fan now. I swear to God. He listens to my music. He follows me on Instagram and all that shit. So it was just like he can't compete with me anyway. Like, like he, he's working a regular fucking job. I ain't worked a job since 2010. So you can talk all the shit you want, but I make all my money off music. I got a beautiful ass girlfriend. I own my own cars. Like you know what I'm saying. Like you can't talk shit about me. Like (laughs) I made it. Like when and but when it was happening, I, I just the way I got through it, I was just like, you know what? This shit'll pass as long as you don't disrespect me. Don't put your fucking hands on me. Don't come up to me talking loud in my face. We cool them niggas talk shit from a distance. Yeah. Feel me?
0: Especially especially now on social media you get even more of that but you know the benefit of your mindset I can see is that that attitude you had when you were young makes you move forward and continue doing your best regardless of what people are saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like hate is going to happen all day every day. If you want to be in this game even not even rapping, acting. If you want to be the biggest lawyer in the world and you want to be fucking Johnny Cochran of the law firm, nigga, you're going to get hated. They're not going to like you. There's going to be so many people that want to fucking see you fail. What you going to do, get mad at every one of them? No, that's unrealistic. Half of them motherfuckers going to die broke. Why are you worried about them? I have no reason to worry about anybody that's trying to stop what I'm doing because they're not doing what I'm doing and they're not walking in my same shoes. You know what I'm saying? Like, what can you say at my age? Anybody that's talking shit about me at my age, they were working a dead end job. So they can't talk shit about me because I, what I'm doing, you not doing, you're not doing it. Like I I already told myself when I leave high school, I'm gonna work for myself and what I do. When I got out of high school, I started working for myself.
0: And so how did your family react to when you were like, I'm going to make this work? Like, what was their reaction? Obviously, they would have seen you really enjoy the music from a really young age. So how did they kind of react when you were like, mom, dad, you know, this is something that I want to pursue?
1: Really, man, it was just like, they kind of just like already knew and they kind of took it as like a, Oh, a joke when I was young, like nine, 10 years old, they kind of just like, oh, he just, he going through a phase. You know what I mean? But as time progressed, I I start asking my mom for equipment, like, can you buy me this? And she would go buy it. My mom was supportive. My dad was supportive. Both my mom and my dad were supportive. But my mom told me when I got out of high school, I had to go to college for a year. I dropped out at like eight months because I went on tour and I never went back. Like, my mom was just like, yo, if you're going to be living in my house, you're either going to be going to school or making money. And I was going to school fresh out of high school. Uh, but she gave me a year to try to figure it out, and I didn't figure it out. And then she told me I had to go to college. I went to L.A. Recording School in Sunset in West Hollywood. And, like, midway through my, uh, my, trip, my first semester, Brother Lynch asked me to go on tour with him. And I went on tour with him at Tech 9, and I never looked back. Like, I've always been supportive of my family. Like, they've always... My first song, my mom was bumping that shit heavy and that shit sucked ass. But my mom was still bumping that shit. And then from there, like, they was just always supporting and always letting me know what's up. Like, I got my first tattoo at 17 because I was just like, I ain't gonna ever get no job, so it don't matter. Nigga, I'm not about to work for nobody. Yeah. I ended up getting jobs and shit. I got jobs, but they never lasted more than two weeks.
0: Like, why do you think that you knew from a young age you didn't want to work for anybody
1: other than yourself? Being at school, like I hated people telling me what to do. And while I was at school, I hated it. I, I, I and I graduated. And like I, I, I graduated. Excuse me. Sorry, sorry. I graduated, bro. I graduated middle school. I graduated elementary school. Somebody keep trying to call oh, me. My cool. fault. Uh, elementary school. I graduated middle school. I graduated high school. Like. I got honor roll in a, a lot of my classes, like some years. I always had good grades, but I hated being told what to do, bro. I hated it. And then it was just like, oh, you gotta go to college. You go to college, somebody telling you to do something. Somebody telling you to be there at a certain time. And then, and then you get a job, you got a boss, somebody telling you what to do. Somebody I was like, fuck that. Like, ain't nobody about telling me what to do. But I, I I fucking hate. I fucking hate being told what to do. Can't nobody tell me what to do, but God, bro. Like, so I always been, I always been rapping.
0: And so you graduated high school. You, you, you finally get an offer to go on tour with brother Lynch hung. How did you get in, get in touch with him? How did you meet him? Cause he's been quite a big influence on your career.
1: Yeah. I met brother Lynch, uh, via uh, Twitter because he heard a song that I did called six six six. And uh, he asked me to go on tour with him. He asked me to go on tour, like maybe like a month or two after I dropped the video because people kept sending him the shit. And then like he asked me to go out to Arizona. I caught a bus to Arizona to meet up with him. And then when I met up with him, like he picked me up from the train station And uh, he took me to the show, but the show ended up getting canceled. It was with Twisted Insane, Twisted Insane from San Diego. And uh, the show ended up getting canceled because somebody got stabbed or whatever. And, like, after that, we went to go get dinner, and then we ended up linking up. And he told me that he wanted me to be a part of uh, Macy's Music, and I tatted it on my arm. And then shit from there, like, we ended up being hella close. And we ended up doing music together, and he asked me to go on tour with him with him and Tech 9 and we went on like this 3 month tour and i just from there my my fan base really started to skyrocket and i knew like i didn't have to go get a job or nothing like that
0: and how was that tour with tech nine because tech nine's fan base is so it's like almost a cult within itself tech nine almost has this cult following where all his fans are all big into strange music that's his you know, recording studio, that's his that's his label. So how did you find going on tour with Tech Nine? Because he's been in the game for you know, his longevity is amazing. Like he's been rapping for so long now. I can't even remember a time where he wasn't rapping.
1: Yeah, Tech Nine, like touring with Tech Nine was a trip because like I got to see so much, I got to experience so much. I was like on a tour bus, like. And got to see the, uh, the rewards and the fruit of being an independent artist. Like, he started his own label, he put out his own music, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Just like Brother Lynch, they put out their own music, they did their own tours and stuff. And like, it taught me that, like, I could do that too. You know what I mean? And I was able to, like, follow in their footsteps and make my own money. So, like, touring with him was another level. Even now, like, sometimes they'll come out to California. And strange music, it hit me up to do a show and shit. Like it actually taught me so much. Like that's why I'm so independent. I don't. I'm not signing anybody. I got distribution deals to make sure my music get marketed and sold the right way. But for the most part, being around Tekin and Brother Lynch it just taught me to be independent. You know what I mean? You know, keep building that core fan base. They'll never go away, and like you'll get rewarded. Like in the long run, you know what I mean? And they're still doing their shit. They're millionaires, bro.
0: And so what do you think it is about Tech 9 that gave him that longevity? Because his career is almost unparalleled in terms of how long he's been doing it, how many artists he's brought onto the label, and everything that he's built. So what do you think kind of gave him that longevity and that edge?
1: Um, Again, uh, staying independent, not giving up the rights to his music, Um, being able to tour on his own, saving his money, putting his money up for tours, uh creating his own like fan base instead of like trying to like build off of a record label. I think that got him to his longevity, like merchandising and, uh, marketing and branding. You know what I mean? Like he has a fan base that'll never go away. Like it's like, it's the way you market yourself. Like you got some artists that just come out, got one single and then they're one and done, but you can't even cancel tech nine tech nine got his own fan base. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's his own entity. Along with a bunch of other artists, you know what I mean? Currency and fucking Freddie Gibbs. And it's a, I mean, it's a, of Russ, it's a gang of independent artists who are doing their own thing and don't need a fucking record label to make money or live off of their craft. And I figured, I I mean, just being around Tech Nine, I learned that just by watching him, you know what I mean? And watching how he get down.
0: And so when you were on tour, did you have any like cool experiences? Anything that you were like, yeah, this is now I know that this is 100% it. Did you have like, you know, a moment where you were like, it clicked for you?
1: Uh, Yeah. One time we were in Cleveland and we were going to a party and it was Machine Gun Kelly's party and um, everybody had on strange music chains and like I didn't have no chain, no jury on but Tech 9 didn't want me to walk in that party without no jury on, like, and he took me to the back of his bus and he let me wear his strange music chain. And, like, that was a time where I was like, damn, all my hard work and everything that I put on and, like, everything that I've done in my career, like, and this is in 2013. I was 21 at the time. I was like, damn, this, this is different. This is a whole nother feeling. Like, it made me realize, okay, yeah, I'm here now. I'm finally here. Cause people know me. Like I'm in the, I'm in the fucking room with stars. You know what I mean? I'm in, the, I'm in the room with money and all of that shit.
0: Well, I mean, that's the part of hip hop that people don't see is that there are a lot of artists who help other artists, you know, tech nine didn't have to do that. He didn't have to, you know, essentially make sure that you feel included and part of the crew But he does that anyway. So I think that what people don't see in hip-hop is all the positives from it. If you're in the community, you know what happens under the table. You know who helps each other. But what's publicized is the diss tracks. What's publicized is the negatives rather than that camaraderie that brings everybody together.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like a lot of people don't understand what goes into being indie, bro. You know what I mean? Like we have to sacrifice so much time, money, uh friendships. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can't bring your your friend or your best friends in the room to 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 be with you, or you can't, you may not be able to bring them to that show that you know that, that artist is inviting you to because it's only two tickets. It may just be you and your girl. Like, so yeah, like you said, man, like the art the, the fans sometimes they don't get it, like like they be ordering merchandise and shit from us and then they think that's just supposed to come as fast as Amazon like i understand like you know y- y- y'all are used to you know uh instant gratification but so artists that's really grinding and trying to put in work you know what i mean it ain't, it ain't it ain't easy you know what i mean so yeah they a lot of fans don't separate themselves from the art Or the artist. Yeah.
0: Well, man, unfortunately, you don't have a distribution center like Amazon seems to have. So it's hard for you to get it all out, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure, bro. They don't get it.
0: And so because Brother Lynch Hung, he's a horrorcore artist. So he talks about extreme violence and extreme kind of lyricism. How do you kind of define horrorcore?
1: Uh. Hardcore is no, uh, no boundaries. Uh, you'll pretty much say whatever shock value. Uh, you talk about you know murder and rape, and you talk about a lot of stuff that will, uh, that'll probably get uh, the mainstream artists in trouble. Uh, you you don't care about clean versions of music. Uh, you kind of like are are cemented into being underground, and to me that's what being hardcore is and. You know, talking about a lot of stuff that, you know, a lot of artists are scared to talk about. Violence. Just like everything is violent. Everything is bad. Everything is depression. Even for the soft and slow songs, it's all just bad and depressed and like it's just negative shit. That's what horrorcore is.
0: Because horrorcore, even within hip-hop, is like a subsection within hip-hop. You have your mainstream hip hop and then you have your underground and then you have horror as like a subset it's a very specific type of hip hop yeah. it's not big you know unless you you know hip hop you probably won't come across it unless you actively search for it so yeah so yeah, it yeah. is definitely a very specific taste it's almost like extreme horror movies like it's it's got a very yeah. specific fan base that listen to it and it doesn't have that commercial appeal. But there's there's definitely something to that in the sense that it is artists who are like, I don't want limitations on my expression. And I don't care if it means that I'll never be commercially. I don't care if it means that I'll never, you know, get to a point where I have a huge, an enormous fan base, but um, it means that I can retain that
1: part of it. Yeah. Because some hardcore artists, they can live off that fan base, like Necro, Brother Wins, Uh
0: There's a whole lot
1: of hardcore artists, the Grave diggers, like, um the, the list goes on, Hopson. You know what I mean? There's a lot of artists, G-Mo Ski, a lot of these motherfuckers, ICP. They're just, they content, and they are fine, like, they are artists who will push the boundaries and don't give a fuck and will say whatever they feel like they want to feel and they don't care who is watching. So yeah, that's hardcore for me.
0: And how did brother Lynch hung influence your career? Like what was his guiding, guiding light in terms of advice and things like that?
1: Uh, same thing. Like, just not, not caring what anybody think about what I'm saying. Uh, and pay whatever I want Push boundaries shock value he taught me the meaning of that he showed me that like fans are eternal I've seen like 50 year old motherfuckers walk up to us with like hand up, our manable lector and like coat hanger strangler and all type of shit tatted on him music tatted on him and shit he just showed me that like you know if you if you stay true to yourself I and mean, you push that edge like you could be whatever you want to be. You could, you could do whatever you want to do. You ain't gotta be a, you ain't gotta be these superstar motherfuckers and you still gonna get treated like a superstar. And that's true. Cause I, man, I just, I just did a show with title and I have my own dressing room and shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like it don't matter, man. I've been doing what I've been doing for a long time. I'm only 28 and I'm just getting started. And he taught me like, you know what I mean? Don't hold back and do whatever the fuck I want to do. And that's what I do.
0: Yeah, and I think there's something to that. There's definitely something about that in hip hop, the ability to not have to worry about what people think of you versus having to do something that puts you in a box.
1: Yeah, straight up. I don't wanna be box fan and shit. I wanna do whatever I wanna do. I wanna always think outside the box. You know, I'm and I feel like I'm gonna get to where I need to be.
0: And so after you went on tour with Tech Nine, you know, that's a huge experience that you get to be exposed to one of the, the greatest independent artists of all time. Where does your career go after that?
1: Uh, from there, when I got off tour, I started really just putting music out, putting out albums. I worked on like a really good album called "Written in Smoke. Uh, Ritz got on there from Strange Music. Brother Lynch got on there. Twisting and Insane got on there. I started reaching out to all my OGs and I put out an album. And then from there, they started recognizing me as more than just a hype man for Brother Lynch. They started recognizing me as an artist. Feel me? And they just started like really just like promoting and getting behind me. And they started to recognize my flow. The Midwest started to catch on. The South started to catch on. My hometown started to catch on. And shit just started to blow up from there. And from there, I never, every year, shit, every year since 2007, I dropped the album, but like, when I got off tours, when I started dropping quality shit, I started getting all the real features. I started fucking with all the OG hardcore artists. I didn't do songs with uh, Bizarre. I did songs with Twister, uh, Brother Lynch, Tag Nine, uh, G Moski, uh, Aqualio, uh, a gang of motherfuckers, man. I, I've done it all. Like I I just started to just go up like this because of my cosign. I just started going up.
0: It's it's kind of one of those ones where once the once you start going up, it goes up quickly. And once you start coming down, it goes down quickly. It's one of those kind of industries where once you have a name, once people recognize you, it's really easy to start building up and get into that career. But, you know, dropping an album every single year is not an easy feat. How do you get past writer's block because I when I spoke to CJ Some of his challenges are writer's block. You know, a lot of artists feel that they need to be in in a certain place to be able to write music and get through it.
1: For me, writer's block is like easier for me to get out of because I have ADHD, so my mind is constantly running. I turn that into lyrics. Like, I just start doing shit. I start watching a movie. I start playing video games. I call my homies and go out and run them up. I will call my girl, we'll go out and do some shit. Writer's block, I immediately I immediately eliminate that cuz I'm not about to be stuck trying to figure out what to write about. Like, I can write about everything around me. Like, writer's block don't really fuck writer's block don't really fuck me up. Like, I I get out of writer's block immediately because I try to keep my brain and my gears going. You know what I mean? I try to eat healthier foods. I try to fucking eat a whole lot of protein cuz all that shit is brain food. Like, I go out with my homies. I try, I create scenarios and next thing you know, I got, I got, I got shit to write about. Oh, me and a homie riding in a bucket. Fuck it. You know what I mean? We stunting. You know what I mean? It's just like certain shit. You, you do that shit on the daily anyway. You know what I mean? So next thing you know, you got a whole verse. So yeah, no, I just try to create scenarios for myself to get out of writers, but I go out and I, I, just experience the world.
0: Yeah. I think that that is, there's something to that. And you know, The the saying goes write what you know about and you know about what you see in your life. And that is the easiest way for anyone who's up and coming to to get into that, get past that writer's block, regardless of what art you're doing, whether it's creative, whether it's hip hop, whether it's anything else, you know, that's probably the best advice.
1: Yeah, on the real, you just gotta get out and just experience the world. There's so much things going around you that you can rap about. You may have a little argument with your girl. Write about that. Write about how she tripping. Write how you ain't, you ain't, you know, you ain't giving a fuck about what she talking about. You gotta, you gotta figure out ways to create that narrative. And next thing you know, you got you a verse.
0: And so, how do you write your m- music now? Like, how do you write your lyrics? Do you you use pen and paper? Do you use like your iPhone? Like, what do you do?
1: I use my iPhone. I write in my phone. I don't write verses on paper. I stopped doing that years ago. I just started writing on paper. I mean, on my, uh, I just started writing on my phone.
0: Is that just for, like, convenience and because it's, like, set out, you can actually, like, see it properly?
1: Yeah, I could. Uh, whenever I write on my phone, it goes straight to my Gmail. So I create two versions of it. It's harder for me to lose it.
0: Yeah, well, because there's definitely two schools of thought. There's definitely those artists who still do pen and paper because they like the feeling of just writing, but definitely technology has made it easier to so that you don't lose the, the work that you put in.
1: Exactly, yeah. like I always got two copies of it, so I feel like that's the most comfortable way to write verses and shit.
0: And who did you study to to do your craft like did you go back and like go all right i'm going to study this artist and go this is how they flow this is the bars this is how they deconstruct a beat did you have anybody that you went back and was like that's kind of what i'm trying to do
1: uh nah nah hell no i kind of just let it flow through me and uh i kind of just whatever was already in me i just let it go like i just took everything i learned from the west side connections and the Corrupts and the Snoop Dogs and the Eminem. I just kind of just went from there, and I just kind of just started writing and just spitting. You know, what I mean, I I, I, don't, I don't I ain't referenced nobody. Hell no, I just did my own thing. Yeah, I think
0: that I mean, growing up with it, really young, it kind of comes through you. It's not something that you have to pick up because it's always been in your life.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I never had to like try to rap. It just came to me. I've always been rapping. I write verses every day, bro. So it just always came to me. And
0: what about hooks? Hooks are challenging. I've heard a lot of artists say, you know, for me, it's easier to write bars, but it's harder for me to write a hook. So how do you find creating that hook, creating that chorus that's catchy?
1: Uh, Writing hooks to me is, I just kind of like, it's the same thing to me with verses. Like I kind of just find the rhythm find something I feel like people will want to repeat and uh, I just go from there like I just I just vibe to it and I like if I feel it I find the rhythm and I be like oh if I like it if I want to ride to a fuck and I'm gonna put it down if anybody else fuck with it cool I try to hope for the best and be like yo could they vibe to this But well, for the most part riding the hook is easy to me I don't have a problem with riding the hook actually riding the hook is easier than riding the verse to me
0: oh really why is that
1: Yeah. Yeah, because like I could easily find something to like uh create be the basis of the song, I guess. I just a verse, I I feel like I want to be a little bit more complex. So I just find it I find it easier to write a hook because a hook is just more like uh I create the hook off of the rhythm of the song, off of the bounce, off of the clap, off of the hi-hat, off of the bass, whatever. Is the basis of the beat. I just kind of bounce off of that, so it's easier. But when when I'm writing a verse, I'm trying to find pockets to fit into. Sometimes I might want to switch it up, and what well, a verse is different because I just want to come off uh, differently. But yeah i I find finding uh, I find writing the hook is way easier.
0: Yeah, I think that there's something to that. I think that for for pe- I think potentially people are trying too hard to get the right hook, but part of it is just about making something catchy. But I noticed as well, you went on tour with the Cunning Linguists as well. So Danny, who's also on our podcast, uh, we actually reviewed one of their albums. We reviewed Southern Underground um, and he's a big fan, but not many people know Cunning Linguists. They're they're underground for sure. Um, So how was that experience going on tour with them?
1: Oh, yeah, that was my first time overseas. They OGs too, so they were showing me the ropes and... They was uh they they taught me a lot about being independent too, the way they sell their merch and the way they uh interact with fans, and that was different again because they were overseas and I was just like, damn, they was able to reach all these people and they're underground and all these shows are sold out. It gave me so much hope because I'm like, there's a lot of people I can line up ten people right now off the street. They probably never heard of them, but we go out to Europe and sell out shows. So it's just like they uh they taught me the same thing like brother lynch and tech nine it's like you could just stay yourself and keep grinding keep pushing and you reaching somebody there's somebody out there that's like yo this is dope you know what i mean yo this is crazy they loving it you know what i mean somebody out there is loving it and you keep building and building and building and this gonna turn into something super monumental so yeah no nah, they yeah that was a crazy experience That was three years ago actually and that was my first like cra that was one of my first craziest tours that was overseas. That was my first tour overseas.
0: And which countries did you go to?
1: Uh well we only we went to Europe and London, but within Europe and London, oh, and we went to Switzerland and Germany. So within there, we went to Hamburg, Germany. We went to Berlin, Germany, we went to Cologne, Germany, within France, we went to uh uh, Nance, we went to uh, Lyon, we went to Paris, we did two shows in Paris, we went to Bordeaux, uh, and London, we went to uh, Bristol, uh, or within the UK, we went to London and we went to Bristol. Uh, it we went to a gang of just like we went to we did like 23 shows and we were in Europe the whole time. Yeah, it was crazy.
0: Oh, did it surprise you how many fans? And how many people actually love hip-hop outside of, you know, especially English-speaking countries? You look at France, Germany, their predominant language is not English, whereas hip-hop is has seemed to really capture them as well.
1: Yeah, uh, it tripped me out because they don't even really understand what we're saying. So it's like, what the fuck are y'all even nodding your head to? <laughs> but they like the rhythm. Again, they like the rhythm. They like the... They like the the way it sounds. A lot of it overseas is just the way it sounds because they don't even know what we're saying. Like, it would be times where I'd be like, oh, God get off stage in France somewhere and I'm trying to talk to fans. They have no idea what I'm saying. So I was like, I know y'all not hearing the lyrics. Y'all just like what we say. Y'all just like the way it sounds.
0: Good thing that's is that the if they still love the show, it means that you're putting on a good and entertaining show. So, you know, that's, that's something. If yeah. they're hearing, it's like half of what you're doing. So... Uh
1: yeah yeah exactly i feel like they they uh they appreciate music more in uh in in, in europe they appreciate it way more because they they don't get hip-hop shows like we get them like we get hip-hop shows every day before the pandemic you know what i'm saying like the europe and the shit they don't get shows like we do
0: yeah and even down here in australia we don't get the same same hip-hop like it's um yeah it's a different culture but as i said to you before we we started recording hip hop is growing in Australia and I see it, you know, when I was in high school, I was like the hip hop guy, the guy that liked hip hop and nobody else really liked it. Um, and didn't want to listen to anything else, but now I'm starting to see that more and more people are getting into it. And, and that is through a lot of shows, a lot of artists are starting to come down as well and realizing that this is not just, you know, the, the classic rock and, and the, the the aussie stuff so um as as a hip-hop fan it just makes my life better because i just want more people to enjoy it
1: yeah it grew it it, uh it's becoming it's starting to become you know way more worldwide you know i mean started in the 90s now hip-hop is the biggest genre in the world so I just feel like, you know, because we express ourselves way differently than any other, any other genre. And,
0: and how do you view the current state of hip-hop? Because there's a lot of, you know, old-school hip-hop versus trap beats versus, you know, all these different kind of people saying it's not as good as my type of hip-hop. But how do you see the current state of
1: hip-hop? Uh, just like any other decade, like, you have your mainstream... You have your bullshit and you have the real shit. Right now uh, there's a lot of dope artists, but then for the most part it's all bullshit. It's all colored hair rappers, one hit wonders and young motherfuckers who uh taking slave deals and fucking their careers up. But there's a lot of good music out there. I listen to a lot of new music. I, I think the Migos is tight as fuck. I think 21 Savage, he tight. I, I think you know look like a little baby i think he's tight uh as far as west coast top dog entertainment you know kendrick schoolboy q and uh, j-rock i think all them tight j cole tight you know what i mean uh there's a lot of good music out there nipsey hustle tight i there's a whole lot of good music out there but you just got to learn how to you got to know how to weed it out you got to know how to pick out what's dope and what's whack for the most part that's it like it's different because it's the, uh, it's a uh, what's it called, it's uh, social media, but for the most part everything is you know, everything is the same. You know what I mean? You got to know how to weed out the real shit. Right now it's just different because it's a uh, mainstream.
0: Well, I mean, one of the ways that as a fan that I learned to weed it out is you find a beat or you find a track that you like. And you go from there, you you look for that artist. What else did they do? Who did they work with? What producer did they use? Who did they work with? And so on and so forth. So you can actually weed through it by like following the chain.
1: Yeah, yeah. You got to just follow. You got to follow what's going on. If you're not following what's going on, you're not going to know what's whack and what's tight. You know what I'm saying?
0: And the other huge change is obviously female hip-hop artists. Uh, coming up as well so i think this is the best era in terms of the female hip-hop artist in terms of you know we have more and more and more a new wave of young ready to go people who really just have bars as well so um we see that side of it as well giving you know women a voice as well within hip-hop
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. The women's the women's rap is starting to blow up with all the the new uh, female rappers. So that 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 shit right there is like it's different with the Megan Styles and uh, what's the other chick? Uh, you got Cardi B, the city girl.
0: She's the big one. All
1: these other chicks, you know, uh, Cardi B shit? Yeah. they all shaking their asses and they doing what they do. So. Like and it's making the money. It's it's like they're they're creating this different type of hip hop where you know the young females and the young motherfuckers they are gravitating towards it. Like it's kind of like you got a whole bunch of little Kims now.
0: So. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: you know, what I mean,
0: it, you know, it's good because it means that you know you still get lyricists like Shane Why you still get you know it's exposing a different style of hip hop, which is only good. The bigger hip hop gets, the better it is, the more different styles and the more, you know, fans get get to like, you know, find what they love. So um, I think it's it's really good. And you actually came out with two albums this year. So like you, like that's a lot of work because you did one with Chewie, um, 3.5 and then 8th, and then you did Black Suburban music as well. So it's been a big year for you despite the coronavirus and despite the challenges?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did three albums this year. Uh, I don't let really nothing slow me down like that. I kind of just keep going. Uh, the EP that I just dropped, the LN EP, is uh, out right now. as um, something, you know, to keep the fans, you know, on edge and all that. I dropped 3.5 with Chewy earlier this year. I dropped my solo album uh, in the summer. So, you know, yeah, I just try to stay busy, man. I try to keep everything going, keep letting people know that I'm still here and I ain't going nowhere and I'm going to keep pushing. And I I just linked up with Tidal, you know what I mean? And they hooking me up and everything. So, yeah, man, it's been a good year.
0: So what's next for you? What do you see as, like, your next step moving into 2021 and beyond?
1: Uh, Right now I'm working on a short film. I'm I'm getting into the film game again. I used to do a whole lot of background work. A lot of my fans know that. I was in uh, movies and TV and shit, and I'm getting back into that. But like in the directing side, and I'm trying to like write movies and stuff like that. So I'm gonna be on that. Uh, they know I direct a lot and write a lot of my videos. Uh, but yeah, next for the next uh, you know six months to a year, I'm gonna just be still putting out music. Uh, I'm getting into some business ventures and uh, I'm just leveling up, man. I'm just like like I said, I'm just doing this. Like I'm just I'm taking the next step. You know what I mean? Before I hit 30 and really uh, go
0: off. Well, man, I think that, you know, you've got a great base and you've got a lot of people that you learnt off. So there's no reason why you can't continue to develop. And we see artists like 50 Cent to me is the one who kind of has changed the game in terms of making TV shows, making movies. And he's shown everybody that it doesn't matter where you're from, you can do that. So I think that's definitely an option for you. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what you make, because I think you'll have your own unique flavor and that's kind of the exciting thing about independent artists
1: yeah you need to have other things going on if you're going to be rapping or you're going to be in the industry and shit like that you need to have like other business ventures because if you don't then you never know what if what if the rap shit started to slow down you want to make sure you got other money and everything going on you know what i mean you want to make sure you got other streams of income
0: definitely well man before we finish up i always finish up on the same question because i'm just building a catalog but if you had to recommend one album everybody listened to, other than your own, what would it be?
1: Uh G Unit back for Mercy. That's the be- that's my favorite hip hop album. Well, one of my favorite top five ever. It's produced by Dr. J, and it's, it's it's like really well put together. I think 50 Cent and the G Unit made a masterpiece with that. It has no skips on it. Every song bangs. And that's what I would recommend, motherfuckers, to go to if they was trying to learn some shit about this rap shit, as far as pro- uh, production and lyrics go. Well,
0: popping them thangs is one of my favorite tracks on that album, so <laughs> I love that joint. It it yeah. it bangs hard. Like I love that beat all day. Um, but yeah, I've listened to that album. That's one of the ones that that, uh, Fifty Cent was my first hip hop artist that I really got into. So, um, yeah, I recommend anyone listen to that one as well. But um, that's that's Trizza's recommend. Um, if you haven't checked yeah. it out, it's a big album too. So highly recommend checking it out. You obviously got um, the whole G Unit on there, not just Fifty Cent, and they represent real well.
1: Yeah, that's a crazy album. Like I got that album for Christmas, and it's one of my favorite albums. It's one of the albums that I debate about as far as being one of the greatest of that decade. So yeah, man, make sure you got check that out. That's that that would be my my pick, other than my own shit.
0: Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Obviously, Triz has just released two albums. Go check him out on Spotify. Check him out on YouTube as well. Um, he's done a bunch of freestyles as well. If you want to go check out that kind of stuff, I I had a sneak peek at those freestyles. They're, they're really good. Um, and obviously on Instagram and, and Twitter as well. So, man, you're pretty much on every yeah. single platform and stay tuned. There's yeah, always yeah. new music coming out. You know, he's looking at coming into the... The movie game, he's doing he's gonna planning on doing a short film. So, you know, the the sky's the limit.
1: Hell yeah, man. I really appreciate you having me, bro. Check out all my shit. Make sure y'all go to traileronline.com and you can find all my music, all my merchandise in there. Support.
0: Definitely. And you know, support independent artists because obviously he's doing his own thing, and please stay patient, as we said. He doesn't have that, you know, distribution center where he can get everything out in time, and um, he's going to look after you. He's going to keep doing what you love. So if you're a fan, keep staying a fan, and and you know, give him props because, uh, yeah, man, I think your music's really good, and and you've had an interesting and a and a and a really unique career thus far, and I think it'll continue and grow in the same
1: way. Hell yeah. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate you having me, bro.
0: My pleasure, man. Well, I'm excited for you to come down to Australia at some point and then, uh, you know, you'll be able to do a tour down here with us as well and we can see each other face-to-face once this coronavirus ends, man.
1: Hell yeah, man. Make sure you be safe out there, man. Wear a mask.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you too. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram at the underscore slim fitty biggie committee and stay tuned for our next podcast bye for now